Matthew 28, verse 1, the account of the resurrection of Jesus as a, is according to Matthew. Hear now these words. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him. They took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid, but go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day. Amen. Today we will be concluding our Lenten worship series entitled, uh, renegade gospel, the rebel Jesus, and throughout this series we have been exploring and looking at who Jesus really was. And you can read more about it on the back of the order of worship. There's a description about uh, this series that we've been through. You can see where the other messages came from and their titles. You can always go back and read and uh, re-listen to some of those if you'd like. But the biggest thing uh, we wanted to get out of this series has been this. The rebel Jesus did not come to this world to start uh, a religion. But Jesus came to start a revolution. I want to end this series with a message entitled Living the Resurrection Faith. But first I want to tell you a story as told through uh, the words of one Charles Colson. Charles Colson was a man convicted of his involvement in the Watergate scandal as an assistant to President Nixon. And Charles Colson writes this, and I'll be, I'll be reading the extended version of what he wrote, but I want you to hear it today. He says, When I am challenged on the resurrection, my answer is always that the disciples and 500 others gave eyewitness accounts of seeing Jesus risen from the tomb. But then I'm asked, how do you know they were telling the truth? Maybe they were perpetrating a hoax. <laughs> he says, my answer to that comes from a very unlikely source. Watergate. Watergate involved a conspiracy perpetrated by the closest aides to the President of the United States, the most powerful man in America, 
who were all intensely loyal to their president. But one of them, and his name was John Dean, turned state's evidence, and that means he, he testified against Nixon, and he put it in his own words, the reason was to save his own skin. And he did so only two weeks after informing the president about what was really going on. Two weeks. The cover-up, the lie, could only be held together for two weeks. And then everybody else jumped ship to save themselves. He goes on to say, Now, the fact is that all those around the president were facing uh, embarrassment and, and maybe even prison. But nobody's life was at stake. But he says, what about the disciples? I love where he goes with this. He says, these powerful men were facing not just embarrassment, not just political disgrace, but beatings, but stonings and executions. Every single one of the disciples insisted, though, to their dying breaths, that they had physically seen Jesus' body raised from the dead. Don't you think, he says, that one of those apostles would have cracked before being stoned or beheaded or crucified themselves? That one of them would have made a deal with the authorities, yet post-Judas, None did. Men will give their lives for something they believe to be true. They will never give their lives for something they know to be false. He goes on, and I want you to hear this. That's why it's a long quote today. The Watergate cover-up reveals the true nature of, the, of humanity. He goes, even political zealots at the pinnacle of power will, in the crunch save their own necks, even at the expense of the ones they profess to serve so loyally. But the apostles could not deny Jesus because they had actually seen him face to face. And they knew that he had risen from the dead. No, you can take it from an expert in cover-ups, he says. I've lived through Watergate that nothing less than a resurrected Christ could have caused those man to, men to maintain it through their dying. 10,000 years later, nothing less than the power of the risen Christ could inspire Christians around the world to remain faithful despite prison, despite torture, despite death. Jesus is Lord and Jesus is alive. That's the thrilling message of Easter, he says, as he concludes his quote. It's a historic fact, one convincingly established by the evidence and one you can bet your life on. That'll preach by itself, won't it? I could just sit down right now and you would have heard your sermon, but you're not so lucky, are you? Y'all, the firm belief of Jesus' disciples and followers that God had acted in a unique way through the bodily 
resurrection of Jesus Christ confirms his identity as the Messiah. More than anything else in Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' teaching, this one event fueled the Christian movement's rapid growth and spread. And you know what? It continues to fuel it today. Someone say amen. amen. British theologian and author N.T. Wright states this. He says, Take away the stories of Jesus' birth and you lose only two chapters from Matthew and Luke. But take away the resurrection and you lose the entire New Testament. The resurrection of Jesus is the story that we can bet our lives on. The resurrection is how we are called to define our lives and our priorities. The resurrection is the epicenter of transformation in Jesus Christ. German theologian Wolfhart Pannenberg wrote this. He says, The evidence for Jesus' resurrection is so strong that nobody would question it except for two things. First, it was a very unusual event. Do you agree? And second, here's where it gets good, y'all. If you believe it happened, you have to change the way you live. If you believe it happened, we must change the way we lived before we believed. Resurrection faith. Well, pastor, how do you do that? I'm so glad you asked. Resurrection faith first begins with a renewed way of thinking. It begins with a renewed way of thinking. Before we can be raised to a new level of life, we must let go of our old ways. And we must be willing to let go of any of those old ways. This means releasing past assumptions, this means releasing past feelings, this means releasing past practices. Resurrection thinking affects every area of our life. Everything. From our relationships to the way we think about the stewardship of our time, our money, our resources, we must and we must be willing, both, to release old patterns of thinking and take on the new. The new is the resurrection way of thinking. A resurrection faith also means a new perception of ourselves and it means a new perception of others. It causes us to see others in a whole new and different light. When we look at others through a resurrection worldview, the poor are no longer simply lazy or ignorant or simply unlucky. They are people that God loves. When was the last time we looked at someone who was less fortunate than us and simply said, these are still children of God? Hello? 
In fact, so much so are those who we view as, as unfortunate or who are lower or who are poor or who are vulnerable, however we want to put in that category. God loves them so much that over 2,000 scriptures are dedicated in the Bible to justice for the vulnerable, to justice for the poor, to justice for the widow, and to justice for the orphan. Resurrection faith says to love ourselves and to love others as ourselves. So resurrection faith means a new perception of ourselves and a new perception of others. The resurrection of Jesus reveals that truly, too, it is, in fact, more blessed to give than to receive. And that ultimately, the measure of our lives will be based on whatever we do for the least and the lost. Resurrection faith even redefines who an enemy is. When was the last time we thought of our enemies not as someone to hate, but as someone who has sacred worth? When was the last time we thought of those who treated us poorly as individuals that we should be praying for, not hating against? Jesus and resurrection faith reveals to us that even our enemies have a new definition. And we should be looking at them as sacred people of God potential. Our encounters then with the resurrected Jesus give us new eyes and they give us a new resurrection world view in which to look at with those new eyes. With the rebel Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. Christ did do the impossible so that we didn't have to. Christ rose again, and because He lives, I can live a life that proclaims the resurrection. I can face tomorrow and the day after and the day after despite what this world may try to throw at me simply because He lives. And life is so worth the living simply because He lives. Life can be changed to a resurrection life Guess what? Because he lives. Because of resurrection faith, I want you to hear this. More and more people are hearing the name of Christ every single day. Because of resurrection faith, more Roman Catholics attended church today in the Philippines than in any single nation in the continent of Europe. Because of resurrection faith, the world's largest church is in the heartland where war and violence once reigned supreme. In that church, more people attended service today than five times that of United Methodists in the state of Louisiana. That one church 
last year had more members than nearly seven times the professing membership in the entire Louisiana annual conference. You want to know where that church is today? Any guesses? Seoul, South Korea. Seoul, South Korea. Because of resurrection faith, I can believe in the impossible. Because the resurrection is what defines the new possible. Not us, not this world, nothing that can do to us in this world. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is what defines possibility. Someone say amen. Just as Jesus responded to the disciples of who can be saved with Matthew, uh, uh, in Matthew 19, and he said, with, uh, For mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. And he says it again later, just as the man who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus in Mark chapter 9, Jesus says to him, If you are able... All things can be done through the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, but help my unbelief. Folks, I want you to hear this. Even and especially when doubts and fears creep in every single day, because they will, and it's okay. They will because we live in a world where evil still exists. We live in a world where the devil still runs rampant, and there's nothing that we can do about that. But Jesus did something that says fears and doubts never have to run our lives, and they don't have to because resurrection faith is what chases it away. Resurrection faith is what keeps our eyes on the light and tells us never, no, never, no, never do we ever have to live in the dark because Jesus is the light. Pastor and renowned author Tim Keller tells the following story about the power of Christ's resurrection. He says, A minister was in Italy, and there he saw the grave of a man who had died centuries before um, who was an unbeliever and completely against Christianity. Uh, but he was a little afraid of it, too. I don't know about you, but I'm afraid of it every day, and I'm deep in Christianity. Can someone testify to that? <laughs> so the man had a huge stone slab put over his grave so he would not have to be raised from the dead, just in case there is a resurrection of the dead. He had insignias put all over the slab that said... I do not want to be raised from the dead. I don't believe in it. As if that's going to stop it, right? <laughs> Evidently, though, here's where it gets good. And don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. Evidently, when he was buried, an acorn must have fallen in his grave. You see where I'm going with this? So a hundred years later, the acorn had grown, grown up through the grave and split the slab immediately in half. It was now a tall, towering oak tree positioned directly through the slab. 
Tim Keller says that the minister who looked at it and asked, if an acorn, which has power of biological life in it, can split a slab of that magnitude, what then can the acorn of God's resurrection power do in a person's life? The minute you decide to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It is the power of the resurrection. The same that, Je that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power. Think of the things then that you see as immovable slabs in your life. Your bitterness, perhaps, if there is that. Your insecurities, fears, self-doubts, whatever it may be. Those can, things can all be split and can be rolled off. The more you know Jesus, the more we grow in the power of the resurrection. Tim Keller finishes his quote there. The more we grow in the power of the resurrection is the result of knowing Him more. Because of your resurrection faith today, what do you believe to be possible? Actually, i got a, a, a better question. What impossibilities have you seen become a reality because simply you are living out your resurrection faith? Perhaps you're, you're saying... I don't know what you're talking about because I haven't seen that lived out yet. Folks, the power of the resurrection can transform anybody. There is nothing we can do to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You are exactly, and me, we are exactly who God wants to speak to today. We are exactly who God wants to do the impossible through today. And we are exactly who God wants to use to bring the transforming power of resurrection to the world that doesn't know what grace is. So the question on this Sunday morning is this. What impossibilities do we expect to see conquered today because of resurrection faith? And how will we live that out for the sake of Jesus today? This is the gospel message. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.